Michael McMullen. Welcome once again to the World Snooker Tour podcast. And I'm joined this week by the only German currently on the circuit. It's Lucas Klackers. Lucas, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Nice to meet you here. Tell us about your role in the German snooker boom. At what point did you start getting into the game? Um, I started playing, I think, in 2006. And um, yeah, was watching it on TV. And in Germany, it's uh, quite famous on TV, like quite few people like to watch it it's just a lack of players but i was very lucky that there was a good club just uh, around my neighborhood so otherwise i would never have started playing i think so pool has always really been the big q sport in germany and a lot of the top players have come from there but you went straight into snooker then because some german players go through pool first and then come to the game that way yeah, I mean, uh, I think the first time I played billiards, it was pool. Right. But I was always watching snooker on the TV, and I always wanted to play snooker, and yeah, so. So we're talking about 10 years old then, when yeah, you started getting into the exactly, game. Yeah. Have you any memories of what were the first matches you saw? Would have been around the mid-2000s then? Uh, I remember, uh, I think just after I started, Paul Hunter passed away. Oh, yes. And that was... a. Uh, tough moment I, I i still remember that when i read it on the news like it was yesterday that was like the biggest memory i have from from that time yeah now you're from essen and that was actually one of the first places in germany to get into snooker way back in the 80s and 90s are you aware of the fact that it was one of the first places to embrace it uh yeah i heard that the the club where i started or the place around there they they had a trick shot show with i think mike messi or oh yes so the american yeah I, I heard but uh, yeah i just seen pictures and it was a very long time ago yeah you so. became german amateur champion at the age of 17 back in 2013 so what kind of standard is that how hard a tournament is it to win it's it's quite a hard tournament because uh, the conditions are good, but they are quite special. So the, the table's always very fast, always new cloth, and we're not always used to play on these conditions. Mm. And the format is quite short, so the, the, the I think the semis were still best of five, and the final was just best of seven. So um, yeah, it's tough, but uh, we we have also we have many good players from Germany. Also, quite a few ex-professionals, so yeah, it's did a very good result to go through there. And did it come as a surprise to you that you won it at such a young age? Um, I knew it was possible. I just wanted to relax. I just wanted to focus on that tournament, and I felt good. But I, I never, I always try to not think about my chances of winning a tournament. But when you had to become champion of your country at such a young age, Lucas, it must give you a huge amount of belief that you've got a future in the game. Yeah, I knew um, at that point, like, I was graduating from school one year later, and I thought, yeah, maybe I'm going to try to turn pro for a few years and see how see how it works, and, yeah, that's how it worked out, yeah. And around that time, you did manage to get on the tour. You came through the Q School, which is so tough to do. So what was your experience like of the Q School? Uh, yeah, it's like... the. I got through Q school twice, and like the the second time, it was even harder than in the first time. It's it's so hard. It's the mental pressure over two and a half weeks is so big. So uh, yeah, I'm very happy and very proud that I got through that. Yeah. And just a massive sense of relief, I guess. You probably don't care how you even play. You just want to get the results and get over the line. Yeah, I I, I still remember that very well. Like I I couldn't even sleep very well. I I was just surprised that I got through, but. All players had the kind of the same pressure, so 
I think I had a bit of advantage from the experience from the first years on tour, so that was a big help. Well, let's talk about your first years on tour, because just after you came through Q School for the first time, you played in the Riga Masters. You're up against Neil Robertson, who was already long established as one of the best in the game, and you beat him. Yeah, I, that was one of the, or maybe that was still for me the, the craziest match I've ever played on tour, because obviously that was the first big tournament I played. And then I beat Nia, and that was unbelievable because he's also one of my biggest heroes in the sport. So that was a crazy experience, yeah. And when it went to the final frame, you basically got one chance and you took it. So what was the tension like when you realized how close you were getting to pulling off such a big result? Actually, I don't know. I just tried to focus on each ball once at a time, and I thought, I have nothing to lose. I mean, he's the top player. He has to like show how good he is and I I had just the chance to win so I couldn't lose anything that was in my mind. Now having made a start like that how disappointing was it then that the rest of the season turned into a bit of a struggle and you didn't quite manage to build on it? Yeah that was quite tough or oh, that was really really tough actually that uh, I felt I felt so down like in the middle of the season and it was so hard to get back to some confidence and actually I didn't quite get any confidence back so yeah that's why that was my only match I won that season. I played quite good in a few matches, but I could never win a match. So that was really tough. But in the second season, then I knew I had a good experience from the first season. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot. So then in the second season, I improved and uh, was more relaxed. I think a lot of people see a result like that, where a young player comes along, beats someone like Neil Robertson, and they think, right, he's going to go on and get loads of results now. But it doesn't take account of just how hard it is. And every single match is so hard fought out there. And getting wins is so difficult. And when you get a few defeats, it gets in your head. And it just becomes a downward spiral, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. I remember like coming back from Riga, I felt really good. And then I had just like two, three bad results. And then I just uh, got very bad in my head. And I couldn't get rid of the bad thoughts I had. So... But it wasn't all bad moments, was it? Because you played in one of your first tournaments, Ronnie O'Sullivan, on television in the Northern Ireland Open. Now, he did win by four frames to two, but he played really, really well. And in each of the frames he won, he basically shut you out. But when you got your chances in that match, you actually coped very well. Yeah, I remember that match uh, very well. And it was a very good match, and I think it was also good to watch. And um, I felt good in that match. It was just like... I remember he, he was scoring very well, mm-hmm. so he, he deserved to win that match. It was just like, uh, it felt like in many matches I could I could play. I wasn't outplayed. I think I, there were not many whitewashes where, where I lost clearly, but it was just I couldn't get over any finish line. That was my problem in the first season. You made a total clearance, didn't you, live on television in that match against oh, yeah. O'Sullivan? Great moment for you. Yeah, definitely. I, I think... In the first two frames, I didn't have any chance. And then the third frame, I got my first chance and made a total clearance. That was a good confidence boost. Yeah, well, you're right. You literally did not get to pot a ball in the first couple of frames. So great that you produced it. But as you say, the rest of that season then was a bit of a disappointment. Second season, you went and did well in Riga again. It must have been becoming your favourite place at that time. But as you say, you did a bit better from there and you managed to settle in a lot more that second year. Yeah, I remember that in the second year I won a few matches where I didn't play my very best game and still managed to win. And that gave me big confidence. That was 
that was even better for me than playing very well that you show you can also beat somebody playing your B game. That was a very big thing for me. Do you think that was maybe because you'd learned a lot from the first season? You learned what the B game was about? Yeah, could 100%. Mix it more? Yeah. Like, I remember in the first season, I thought the main thing now is I just need to do more one visits, more one visits. But I forgot that the game is much more than just that. Is that something you can work on with anyone? Have you tried to get some coaching to develop the all-round game more? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've been to Chris Henry a few times. He helped me also with confidence. Mm. And uh, there's the German national coach, Thomas Hein. He, mm. We also work together and uh, speak about matches and watch the matches and, yeah, speak about what we can do better or what needs to be improved. Yeah. Chris has got such a fantastic reputation as a coach, hasn't he? But it's not really about technique or sense. Most of what he seems to do with players is more about what's going on in the mind. Yeah, I remember like uh, I've been to him, I think, three, three, four times. And uh, once I was a little bit down, like I didn't feel very well. I didn't feel like uh, practicing hard enough. Uh, I didn't feel like having a lot of motivation. And then I just went to his place and we had a good session and then uh, I went straight back home and wanted to go to the practice table and had a fresh start and that's, that really helped. It's interesting what you're saying there about getting down about the game. Do you think that happens to a lot of players that they get bogged down in results and maybe forget how good they actually are? Yeah, 100%. I think uh, like 99% of the players have the kind of the same problems. Even if they're very good or quite low in the rankings, we all have the same problems. So at the end of your second season then, Lucas, you did fall off the tour. And I guess that must have been frustrating because, as you say, it sounded like you were starting to settle in a bit more and get a bit of momentum behind you. But because your first season had been so poor, yeah. you didn't have the points to carry forward. So you got relegated and that cut you off just as you were starting to get established a bit. Yeah, I remember. I was disappointed, but I knew I had a I had very good experience from these two seasons and I knew... I'm going to give uh, Q School and Challenge 2 another try and then see what happens there. And just, uh, yeah, didn't put any pressure on my on my mind. Because yeah. you were still very young at the time. I think you were maybe 23 years of age yeah, when yeah. you dropped off. So there was no question, I guess, of you ever thinking, that's it, I'm finished with the game, I'm not going to try again. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking, yeah, I have so much experience now and try to play a few more tournaments and see what happens then, yeah. Well, what happened was that you went and did really well on the Challenge Tour the following season. And sometimes it can be a good thing, can't it, to take a step back because you then mm -hmm. went and did really well on that circuit, got good wins against good players. And maybe that was what you needed to get the confidence back up again. Yeah, definitely. Actually, I was a bit surprised that I did so well in the Challenge Tour because uh, it's so tough. You play, you play best of fives against very, very good players. Like So many of them are also dropped, dropped off the Tour. And uh, you play best of five, you play on uh, different tables all the time. It's very tough, so I was very happy that I finished second in that uh, tour, yeah. Well, you got to have a lot of consistency to do that, because there were a lot of tournaments on the Challenge Tour that yeah. season, and you won one of them. So what was that feeling like, coming through as a champion? Yeah, I remember, like, I, because the, the, the points for the winner are so big, mm -hmm. you need to win at least one event to be on the very top. And uh, in the previous tournaments, I always had a good, good results, like maybe quarters or semis. But I knew I had to win one. And when I just got the win there, I knew I had a good chance to maybe qualify from that. Yeah. 
So you're back on the tour then in 2020, and then the world shuts down, and pretty much the entire season ended up being played behind closed doors in Milton Keynes. It was tough for everyone in its own way, but I guess when you're away from your home country, it must have been particularly hard for someone like you. Yeah, I remember um, when I played one world championship, I stayed in, in the UK for 10 weeks, because uh, I could have gone back to Germany, but there was two weeks of quarantine, and uh, you couldn't like shorten it. You had to do two weeks, and I knew when I do two weeks, I can't practice, and I have to go to an, another tournament maybe in three weeks. So there was no point for me to going back. So I stayed in the UK for ten weeks, and it helped my uh, game actually because I played good players all the time there. But it was tough, like being away from home for ten weeks. I'm guessing that was much longer than you'd ever been away before. Yeah, definitely, yeah. But then you also realize that there are like many Chinese players on the tour who haven't been at home for years, so I can't complain. So when we got out of that, thankfully, and into the 2021-22 to 22 season, one of the first events was the British Open in Leicester, and it turned out to be possibly the best week of your professional career so far. Yeah, definitely, yeah. It was a good week, and I remember I really enjoyed playing in front of a bigger crowd again because we didn't play in front of a crowd for I don't know maybe a year or even mm. more so yeah that was very very nice feeling to perform there you beat Yan Bing Tao who had won the Masters just a few months before that and went on to reach the last 16 which was further than you'd ever been before yeah. beaten by Lu Ning at that stage what do you remember about that match did you get much chance or are there re- regrets there Mm, yeah, like I, I didn't have the same focus I had against Bing Tao. That was a little bit what I regret. And why would that be in such a big match? I don't know. Uh, maybe you were I, distracted I would... by how big a match it was and what a big chance yeah, it was? Yeah, it could be, yeah. Also, maybe, uh, yeah, it's hard to say, but I remember like the focus against Bing Tao, that was the reason I won the match because the focus was so good. And just, I don't know, maybe I was a bit tired because I think I played uh, one match in the afternoon before I played against Luning. But yeah, that's how every day is different on the on the game. But I guess coming away from Leicester at the end of that tournament, I know it was best of fives, but that's still a decent enough distance to test yourself over. Yeah, you must have been feeling, wow, I can cut it at this level. I want more of this. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that gave me quite a con- quite a confidence boost. Yeah. So how was the rest of last season after that then? I remember actually I I felt very good after that tournament, but then I struggled till the end of the year. I think I had like two or three bad results and then it was kind of the same thing that happened in the first season. I lost my confidence. But then um, I remember it was just before Christmas when the first half of the season finished. And then uh, I had a little bit of break before uh, in January I think uh, Mm. it started with the shootout and I had a good good result in the shootout and then got some confidence and I think I qualified for the Turkish Masters and the Welsh Open so yeah then I finished the season quite comfortable so I think at the end at the end it didn't it wasn't enough to uh, stay on tour but uh, I played very well in the second half of the season so I was very <clears throat> confident about my game. People talk about the shootout and it's only 10 minutes and maybe it's a bit of a lottery or whatever. But if you go there and do well, as you've just proved there and what you were saying, it can be a real springboard and get you back on course. Yeah. 
I mean, even if you just win like two, three frames, it's still big because you go further in a tournament. And uh, even if it's also a little bit of luck you need there, it's still, it's a win. And that's what counts. Are you based in the UK now full time? It sounds like you go back and forth to Germany a lot. Yeah, I practice a lot in uh, Sheffield uh, with uh, many of the Chinese players at Victoria's Academy. Um, but when I have a few weeks off, I always go back to Germany. Yeah. You've got to be spending a lot of time, haven't you? Really, nowadays there's such a culture of guys practicing with other pros and sharpening up their game. So you really need to be doing a lot of that nowadays. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I enjoy staying there. Let's come to the quick fire round. This is where I just ask you a few questions about yourself and the things you okay. like outside of the game. Favorite type of music? Uh, house. What sort of bands or acts? Uh, actually, hard to say. It's like uh, I probably wouldn't have heard of them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, the, the music they play on like big festivals, like Tomorrowland. Okay. Right. Your ideal way to spend a day off. Uh, do sports and do something with my friends the hardest thing you find to adjust to about being in the UK uh, the English breakfast you don't like them <laughs> not too much I have to say oh, I'm a big fan I'm a big fan your favourite movie uh, Inception and your interests away from snooker many kinds of sports I played table tennis before uh, tennis all, all kinds of sports actually yeah are there any of those sports you're good at as well? How good are you at tennis, for example? Uh, I played table tennis uh, for about 10 years. All right. So uh, I, was cool. I wasn't very good there, but I could play a little bit, yeah. And because it's got many similarities to tennis, I can play a little bit of tennis as well. You're obviously quite young still, and well, very young, in fact. You look to be in really good shape. Do you do fitness? Do you do any running, anything like that? Uh, yeah, I do some running and uh, I had to start with fitness because I got some problems with my neck and it was quite bad at the end of, uh, I think, the 2021 season and I didn't know what to do and then I had to, uh, went to the hospital and get some pictures of my, uh, of, of everything here back there and then they said, yeah, I need to do some uh, like weightlifting and stuff like that. To uh, because there was an imbalance in my muscles. So, oh right. Yeah. yeah. And if you have neck problems, that's the last thing you need as a snooker player. Isn't yeah. It? I mean, it's still not gone, but it's much better now. Yeah. So how good can you be, Lucas? Can you be contending to win tournaments? Could you be getting to semis and quarters in the next year or two? I think so, but uh, I just try to enjoy my game. I don't try to think about too much about winning. But if I wasn't able to do that, I wouldn't play. So. And is there anything in particular you feel you need to improve on to move up to the next level? Or is it just a case of trying to get a bit better at everything? Uh, I think it's just being more consistently, just um, and the focus needs to improve. Like, like I need to be more, more focused over a longer period of time. And why do you think you struggle with that? Because you've said there you're into keeping physically fit, so that generally helps with focus. But it seems that's something that you feel you struggle with a bit. Um, yeah, it's like when I have long matches, there are few, I mean, a match can take like four hours easily and it's just decided by three, four shots easily. And sometimes I feel that on these shots, I kind of lose the focus or start daydreaming or something like that. And that's what I need to work on. 
One other tournament I want to talk to you about is the World Championship earlier this year, because in the qualifiers you did well. You won, I think, two matches, yeah. and almost won a third one against Matt Selt, who's been a ranking event winner. He just edged you out 6-5 in the end. So what was that like to get through a couple of rounds in the most famous tournament of all? It was definitely very good, yeah. I really enjoyed playing there, and I was very happy about my game, especially, like, I didn't have many good results in the World Championships mm-hmm. qualifier, so that was by far my best result, and uh, that also gave me a, a big confidence boost for the Q school. Yeah, and then obviously you came through that, and here you are now, back mm-hmm. on the tour, looking to make history and break new ground for German snooker, and just going back to the World Championship, the chance is there for someone to be the first German ever to play at the Crucible. And of course, if you're the first, you stay the first forever. So that would be a wonderful thing to yeah, achieve. Definitely. That's like what every player dreams about, to play there. Yeah. And I guess also for a German player playing in big matches at the Tempodrome, that's something that you must dream of as well. Yeah, that's still uh, one thing to do. But it's hard to qualify because you need to win two matches. Mm. But uh, yeah, that would be amazing. I played there one exhibition, like uh, I think seven years ago, and that was already a great experience. So I want to play there definitely. And as soon as the tour started going there, we were all talking about the Tempodrome already as one of the best venues in the game. We see the crowds that go there, and it reflects the interest there is in snooker. But it's not really been converted yet, has it, into a lot of good players coming through. Simon Lichtenberg has been on. You're still on the tour, and as we've discussed, you've made a bit of an impact. Is it a case that there are a lot of people who want to watch the game, but not enough who want to play it? Yeah, I think that's the biggest problem in Germany. I think... The numbers are quite good, people watching it, mm. but it's just the game is so hard. And if you don't start at a very early age, then it's uh, very hard to improve. And um, in other sports or in some sports, you get uh, quick results to improve after just a few sessions. And in snooker, it's so much hard work. And I think, from my opinion, that's the reason not many players are playing in Germany. And one final thing to ask you about as we head into this season now, the announcement recently that I think has been greeted by everyone in the game about this guarantee of the £20,000 income during the season, and particularly when you're away from home a lot, and obviously the circuit is still predominantly based in the UK, that must give you great peace of mind to have that security. Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, I wish I had that like uh, six seasons ago already, Mm. but I'm obviously very happy that we have that now that makes... I think that also helps to improve the level a lot because uh, many of the lower ranked players are now much more relaxed and can just focus on their game now. Well, everyone would love to see more success from you, Lucas, over the coming years. Not just because we want to see a German star, but also because everyone knows you're a very likable young man. And I think that's really come across today. So thanks very much for joining us on the World Snooker Tour podcast and all the best for the season ahead. Thank you very much. Next time on the World Snooker Tour podcast, I'll be talking with Yorkshireman Peter Lines, as he reflects on a career in which he feels life circumstances have got in the way of him delivering on his potential, and looks back on his one and only ranking event semi-final, which came at the age of 48. I'd sort of come to terms with the fact that I was never going to win one, and then when I got to the semis and I lost to Kyron 4-3, it kind of broke my heart a little bit because I thought, I'd always thought I'm not going to win one. And then when I came so close to doing it, it, it kind of broke my heart a little bit, you know, and it, it took me, again, it took me a long time to get over because I don't think I won any matches after that for ages. But that's snooker, isn't it? So that's coming up next time on the World Snooker Tour podcast. 
And don't forget our bonus content, The 147, rounding up the week's snooker headlines in 147 seconds, out every Tuesday and available to download at wst.tv. Until next time, thanks so much for listening and goodbye.